Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Anna Gray and Jim Brown. Welcome to our show today. We do a regular podcast each week, Rana and I, talking about things that are interesting that directly affect Louisiana. Sometimes they have national connotations, but uh, often they're, they're very strongly felt in Louisiana. And I think that's the subject today, Rana. Let's talk about journalism. You're a journalism major. You went to LSU, a fine school of journalism there. And unfortunately... We're having a hard time finding much news locally anymore because more and more businesses, more newspapers are going out of business or because of, of the variable economic factors and the Internet and everything else, uh, they, these papers have had to lay off so many people that they're just not viable in covering local news. Local news is in a real threatening situation, isn't it? Jim, it's been the biggest change I've seen, or maybe I've paid closer attention to it because I was a journalism major and, and loved it so much. I was a child of Watergate, so I thought uh, after seeing Bob Woodward and uh, all the president's men that that was a noble profession to go into. I did decide I probably wouldn't be as good a reporter as more of an advocate, so I kind of went into public relations. But I love journalism, and I've just been so sad to see it change in the way it has, where you've got so many, we've lost so many investigative news bureaus. We've lost local news reporting as it was bought up by conglomerates and private equity firms and wealthy individuals and things like that. And then I've been saddened also to see kind of this, uh, I'll call it war on journalism <laughs> with who can you trust with the news and what's influencing those people. And I think there's been a lot of damage done to the credibility of it, and I'm, I don't have the answers of how they get it back. But I sure think that reliable journalism is something our, our democracy desperately needs. It's just amazing to me, you mentioned the assault on the news, how, uh, you know, fake news, fake news. And uh, there are certainly news outlets that seem to have a bias. But when it comes to newspapers, it just always struck me. I I read online the Washington Post, the New York Times. I find the the stories informative and very unbiased. Where you see the bias coming in is in the opinion page, the editorials, or the opinion editors that people allow to voice their opinion. But when it comes to the obituaries, I mean, how can obituaries be fake news? You know? And I like to read over the obituaries in my local paper as well as the, the New York Times obituaries. I like to see some famous person that maybe a book I'd read about them or some experience I'd had with them has passed away. And, and I look that over every day. <clears throat> the sports section, I love the New York Yankees. Well, you can't get better news than uh, a New York newspaper to follow the New York Yankees. And so uh, uh, in sports, I mentioned the obituaries. In entertainment, when you want to see uh, reviews of the new movies that are coming out, when you, uh, I'd love to go to New York in, in the days past and go to, uh, go to watch Broadway shows or 
go to the Metropolitan Opera. Well, you can't, I can't expect to read my Vidalia newspaper and get a review of the opera that's on in New York City. You know, you got to read the New York paper to do that. So 90% of those publications are reporting news that are interest, whatever your political persuasion is. There is 10% in terms of the columns that are written and the editorials that are very biased, and you may not like that bias, but that's just your choice. I pretty much ignore those editorials. I, I, I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal uh, daily. I like the physical paper. I used to subscribe to the New York Times, but uh, I now I have to mail it to me. It's three or four days behind, <laughs> so I don't want to do that anymore. I read you it online. You had to go online, right? Yeah, Washington Post, I read online. A lot of these magazines I read online. And so uh, uh, my point is that uh, you got to pick and choose. Now, when you get into TV news, my local news seems pretty unbiased that come out of uh, Baton Rouge. What they don't seem to have is the ability financially to do the major investigations you pointed out. And that's, right. that really hurts the average person because you trust, uh, you know, keep an eye on these politicians. You'd like to see the... Uh, these investigations going on, and newspapers and TV stations just don't have the resources they used to have. Right. And as ownership of newspapers ratcheted up over the last five, six years or so, and these private equity firms bought these newspapers, they, they want to make them profitable. They don't want them to be just there for the public benefit like we'd like them to be. So they cut the news staff. There goes your investigative journalism and your in-depth journalism. You and I have a mutual friend, John Hill, who worked for Gannett News. And I remember when he could spend weeks on an in-depth story interviewing, like, you know, you know, all angles of something. Well, he'd never be allowed to do that. In today's Gannett system, they want you to just crank it out. Uh, they want to run more national news. They can just rip and read, we used to say, uh, with AP Wire and all, but just run the national news and cut the local news coverage. You're right. The place we miss it the most is in covering local government. If you don't have the reporters following up on that, how does the public find out what's going on? I talked to a candidate who was running for statewide office last year, uh, in the last election in Louisiana. And he said he went by uh, the Shreveport Times and uh, he wanted to go in. And uh, this was like on a Wednesday uh, uh, in the middle of the day, and or Thursday, some you know day day long like that, and he went and the door was locked, and there was hardly any lights on. And finally, some guy comes says, "Yeah, I'm working upstairs and in sports or something," and he says, "We're down to the bare bones up here." That's that. And gosh, the Shreveport Times used to be such a major focus, then merged with the uh, Shreveport Journal, and it was just one of the outstanding papers in the South, and now it's just. Uh, Hardly a, a, a two reflection. Two competing newspapers a day, the Times and the and the Journal. You're right. That was incredible. Yeah, and uh, what a wonderful day that days it used to be, where you'd have a morning and afternoon newspaper, Rana. I loved uh, it. <laughs> I, I started my law practice down in New Orleans, and uh, um, my wife and I got married, and I was working for a law firm in New Orleans, living in the Garden District. For any of you people who who uh, in the Northern New Orleans area. And I walked about three blocks over to St. Charles Avenue, and there was a newsstand right there. And I'd put my quarter in and get my Times-Picayune, 
and I'd get on the, the uh, trolley, and, uh, and I'd go downtown to the law firm. Then when I got off about 5 o'clock, I'd go to the uh, streetcar location, and there was the afternoon paper, the state's item. And I'd put my quarter there and got it, and I'd read that paper coming home on the streetcar. And it was so enjoyable to do that. Then in Baton Rouge, you had the state's item, didn't you? State the, Times. Uh, state Times. And the Morning Advocate. Yeah. Uh, and the, the State Times was the afternoon right. paper. And uh, when it came to the New Orleans papers, then I moved up to a little town called Faraday. Most of our listeners know that's right across from Natchez, Mississippi. And I was a lawyer there, but I was interested in politics and wanted to stay in touch. And having gone to law school at Tulane and having practiced law in New Orleans, I wanted to keep an eye on so many of the events there. And what I would do, uh, the state's item on uh, Saturday ran several nice political columns. A guy named Bill Lynch, who's passed away, used to be the columnist. And so I drive from Faraday to Natchez to the local news stores about 30 minutes. I drive an hour just to get the evening newspaper on oh Saturday evening newspaper. <laughs> but it was delivered that day. It had been put right. on a bus, and I could read the Saturday night New Orleans newspaper in uh, Natchez, Mississippi, which is a three-hour drive, good three-hour drive. And they had it up there. And uh, those days are long gone. You don't have any of that anymore, do you? No, you don't. And it's really a, um, a sad thing because you have some small-town newspapers still owned by families. And the content's totally dependent on whoever owns it and what syndicated information they put in it. Uh, I still subscribe to the Little Magnolia Gazette in Pike County, Mississippi. I still have a subscription I think it's $20 a year. Might be less if you'll subscribe for two years at a time, but I don't even know if he's covering postage sending it out. But a local doctor owns it, and he's got uh, more people on the masthead than uh, the New York Times probably has (laughs) because all of his friends around the country he's listed, I think, as contributing uh, editors from somewhere. He has a column by a former classmate of mine whose mother used to own the newspaper, and I I followed her. I follow her, but it's eight pages, not much. A lot of syndication, you know, very little to cover. What you find with those is that somebody retires from the newspaper business and will write a column for him, and you get that. Then you have another interesting model of nonprofit news, like uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the Lens in New Orleans that started twelve or thirteen years ago or so as a nonprofit news organization mainly does investigative reporting on local government, the schools, criminal justice reform, a variety of topics that they stay interested in. And they survive on donations and grants. There are now some journalism societies that fund nonprofit news organizations. Um, And that's another way that they're staying alive. But I'd like to see that uh, survive because... A nonprofit would probably be more trustworthy to some people. There are some people who are proposing federal funding. There would there would be, be given grants to uh, local journalism to carry on. And I'm like you. Uh, if you live in a in a smaller community, particularly, and you take the little local weekly newspaper, uh, you can see you know weddings. You can see uh, obituaries who's passed away. You can see the local high school sports. 
all that have an interest if you're there locally and are worth taking the paper for. So actually, some of these uh, smaller weekly newspapers have done okay for themselves They've because survived. they do uh, have generated that kind of, uh, of support. The really big news, like who grew the largest watermelon or the largest pumpkin or what's right. what the season is. The but peach festival. But Who's you're right. The they peach? won't let go of it. The grocery stores still put ads in those papers, the local grocery. And those people hang on to the subscriptions. You're right. No doubt. And so that keeps a number of those papers alive, although they're not doing what they did in their heyday. There's, there's no doubt about that at all. And so... Uh, uh, there, there are one or two people who just care about local news, who are writing all the stories and 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 doing what they can with very very small staffs. The Macomb, uh, I subscribe to that paper too. The Macomb Enterprise Journal has a long history up there. I do read it online though. Um, still has a decent staff and still covers local news much more. So I try to, that's a way a lot of people keep up with things. And you're right, the internet now, you don't have to wait for it to come three or four days later in the in the um, week. Well, but like I say, you've got stories in those local papers that aren't on the internet. Right. Uh, well, I say that unless there is a, in some locales, you've got an internet paper that are competing with the local paper. I know uh, over in the Hammond area, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, News 17, uh, news is a an internet newspaper, and they have a huge viewership over Tangipaho Parish, particularly. And uh, Ken Benitez is the publisher there. He does it all over the internet and has a huge following up that way. So you've got some people who found a niche along that line to be competitive uh, in that vein. Uh, but I'm just surprised uh, when I go to dinner and ask, "Hey, did you see that story in the Advocate?" and say, "Well." I don't think I saw that. I read it online. I read the paper online. I'm surprised that people who just a drop in the bucket to for them to subscribe to the paper, they just don't subscribe anymore. They don't. They say this just uh, either they have a they don't like the political slant mm-hmm. and they're trying to get even, if you will, which I have a hard time accepting, uh, <laughs> or. or uh, uh, they just say they just have moved on. They just want to kind of glance online. They're just not that interested, which is unfortunate because I'm thinking, well, look, these are our voters who are making decisions about the people that run our lives on the state, the uh, local and national level, and they don't care enough to follow uh, the stories that you find in the newspaper. If you read the, say, I read the, we're living in Baton Rouge, read The Advocate online, I kind of go through the top stories. But I don't. It takes an effort to go dig out the obituaries when you're online. You got to click three or four different places to go, and then you've got to scroll through it. And you know, with the newspaper, I can open it up and just glance right <laughs> on over and see the news I want. Sports is the same way. Uh, I like to see that maybe the athletic director was fired over in Mississippi or over in South Carolina. Well, you don't see that online. I mean, right. a lot of the uh, the. Uh, uh, the fun section or the uh, there's not a society page, but the comics, if you want to read the comics again, they're there. I can't read them. They got to have a special vo- uh, glasses to read them. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just a, a Herculean right. effort. And, and think about the stories that we used to look forward to, to see how they played, like where they page one above the fold or where they in the back in the Metro section on the inside it made such a difference where the editors placed the story, good or bad. 
no for, doubt. for you. You know, like, hey, we made it to page one. Or like, oh, my God, that's on page one. <laughs> and it's that you don't have that with the Internet. It's a different viewing. It's based on your view, your reading habits on theirs, predicting what you want to see and things like that. It just doesn't have the same prominence there. Well, I think it's a sad state of affairs, and I applaud uh, the journalists. I find uh, those who I know that run newspapers, and I know a number of folks that run a local newspaper. I mean, they, they work long hours. They're there on weekends, and they're there late into the evening getting their paper ready for print. And you've got the problem of who prints the paper. A number of these papers have to find someone else to print. They that Their press is obsolete, so they have to go uh, get in a truck and go pick up the newspapers uh, at a local des- delivery site of someone that's printed the newspaper for them. Mm-hmm. So, I'll tell you, he's done a good job about that. I'll, I, I will say this. The Wall Street Journal, that used to be strictly business, more conservative slant, ha- decided some years back to compete with the New York Times. They have some really marvelous. They've got a great sports page. They've got uh, – uh, I love the Friday edition where they show the – the expensive homes in New York City and California. Who who's got a sixty-five million dollar penthouse? You know, <laughs> sixty-five million or a hundred or two hundred million dollars. And they they play some interesting things like that, and they do some offbeat news. But what I find is interesting. Uh, I spend a, a lot of time up in the mountains in the summertime up in North Carolina, a little town called Linville, and I subscribe to the to the Wall Street Journal up there. I get the Wall Street Journal that day in my mailbox in Linville, North Carolina. Now, it's just amazing that they're able to do that. What they've done very astutely is they made arrangements with all these local newspapers to actually print the paper. They apparently email or or shoot out the newspaper, and it goes on the printing presses in uh, some of the smaller communities and then the local, they work out a deal. Where Print on demand. And, <laughs> uh, and that happens in Baton Rouge, too. Mm-hmm. When I get the, uh, I've gotten the, the morning advocate for years. Now I'm getting the Wall Street Journal. It's in the same plastic sleeve. So the Wall Street Journal has worked it out the advocate to distribute their newspapers for subscribers. Well, that is interesting. So that's a clever yeah, way. Very. So you're not get, having to get your own delivery people, and you just contract all that out is what they do. That is. Well, print on demand. You're right. There's printing presses all over the country, wherever you are, print them. I've noticed my brother's been in the hospital in Jackson, Mississippi, and I've been back and forth visiting with him. He likes to read the newspaper, even though he can read on his iPhone. You're right. He likes to hold the paper and read it. Always telling me, what can I bring you? Bring me a newspaper. So I pick up the Macomb paper and on my way, and then I get to Jackson and I go look for the Clarion Ledger. You can't find one. Now, the Clarion Ledger has such a great uh, history in covering the civil rights movement in Mississippi and winning awards and all this. You cannot find it if you're past maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. So I finally find a little gas station that has one. Uh, pick up the paper, and the first thing that hits me is like it does with all newspapers, how sad, how thin the paper is. You know, it's down to so few. It used to be multiple sections and a hefty newspaper, and it's so thin now. Put it up on the cash register, and they say, that'll be three eighty nine. I thought, I must have picked up the Sunday paper or something. Right, right. Three eighty nine. And I go, I'm sorry. And they go, $3.89. I tell my brother, do you get $4 worth of good out of this when you could subscribe online and i i think that's and you go to a place up there oh i think the grocery store has one what time is it no you probably missed them there and i we go my sister said the other day 
he wanted a newspaper when she was visiting me. And she goes, why don't I went to like four places? I forget it. If you're past about 10 o'clock in the morning, mm. they're gone. So I think people are just, I don't think we're going to have, like bookstores, we're not going to have newspapers to read. You and I are going to be the last generation that reads a hard newspaper. Well, that's unfortunate, but we got to make the best of it. And I wish that wasn't the case, but we did want to inform our listeners about the fact that your options are limited. And uh, I hope uh, if you're listening and you agree that we should have that local news, you won't just opt to read for free on the Internet, that you'll go ahead and subscribe to such a small amount, and uh, you'll be helping local generalism, journalism and helping to, to, to spread local news. We're having a hard time containing. And so, keeping those watchdogs looking at our government for us. No, And we need more of that. <laughs> we, we definitely certainly do. need more of that. We definitely so, do. Uh, hey, Ronna Gray and Jim Brown here on Dateline Louisiana. Our website is Huey, H-U-E-Y, at DatelineLouisiana.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you've got a comment you'd like to share about things we're talking about or topics you'd like us to, to consider in the future, we're here every week. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, we post on Friday. You get a new one up then. So uh, try to listen. You can go back and listen to a whole variety of, of uh, former podcasts we've done. We hope you do so. Rhonda, take care. We'll see everybody next week. I'm going to read my newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Rhonda Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Rhonda, visit DatelineLouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.